Good afternoon, you. How are you doing? I hope you had a nice weekend. I hope all is well with you. Thank you for joining me this afternoon. It is the Richie Allen Show, Monday the 18th of September 2023. My name is Richie Allen. Two very interesting guests coming your way between now and 7 o'clock. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Russell Brand, eh? Russell Brand. I've invited the private investigator, the Sunday Times best-selling author, and the investigative journalist who uh, wrote for... Uh, many of the tabloid newspapers in this country Christine Hart will be on the programme Christine with me this hour to discuss her thoughts on the Russell Brand accusations and allegations don't miss Christine this hour and in the second hour Rob Wilson returns to the programme Rob is a teacher head of design and technology at a large secondary school here in England Rob got in touch with me following the phone-in show last week and he said Richie from observing think tanks and NGOs there's a lot of talk about something called digital learning wallets or digital learner IDs now the biggest advocate for digital learning wallets for children for school children is the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change surprise surprise what's going on Rob Wilson will talk to us in a extended conversation in the second hour of the program and that will be Monday's program that is Monday, the beginning of the week. It is. We've had it all here today in Salford. We've had rain. We've had sun. We haven't had it all. We've, we've had rain and we've had sun. It's been very autumnal, so it has. I've had a busy old day myself today, running around to the vet with the puppy and working on that. That's a work in progress. I'll keep you informed no doubt, as time goes on. Our Bobby needs a bit of work, a bit of tinkering with. Now, you'd have to be a moron, wouldn't you, to come down for or against Russell Brand without knowing all the facts, wouldn't you? You'd have to be a moron. Don't shout at me. If you listened to the Sunday Melodies programme, I didn't come down on one side or another. I said that I find it preposterous, the, the claim that he would be attacked because he represents or poses a threat to the status quo. That I find preposterous. I never said that Russell Brand is guilty or innocent. But lots of people do that. And that's a bit silly without knowing all the facts, isn't it? But those or these are the times we live in. He's being targeted by the deep state or he's a rapist. Well, now those text messages, to be fair, to the woman known as Nadia, that's a pseudonym, obviously, who claims she fled his house in Los Angeles. Those text messages are very problematic for Russell Brand, but he'll have to deal with that. Let's bring you up to speed. He's facing accusations of rape, sexual assaults and emotional abuse over a seven-year period. He's said to have behaved inappropriately at work when he was at the height of his television fame, including undressing, making sexual remarks and acting aggressively. He denies all of this. And he put out a statement on Friday on, on Rumble and on YouTube saying, no, no, uh, uh, there, there, there are agendas at play, he said. Or, or maybe there are agendas at play. Now, these allegations about Brand were revealed in a joint investigation by the Sunday Times, The Times and Channel 4's dispatches. Right? Uh, again, he says, my relationships, he says, have always been 
consensual. Now, there was an update from the Met Police in London this afternoon. A spokesperson said, we are aware of reporting by the Sunday Times and Channel 4 about allegations of sexual offences on Sunday, September 17th, yesterday, as the Met received a report of a sexual assault alleged to have taken place in Soho in central London in 2003. Officers are in contact with the woman and will be providing her with support. Now, one of his accusers alleges that she was groomed by him when she was 16. She's told BBC Radio 4's Woman's Hour that his response to the allegations was, quote, insulting. She said a BBC car took her from school to his house and that he was not held to the same standards as other presenters. Shall we hear a bit of this? From BBC Radio 4, this is Alice, not real name. He said to me, oh, you get in the car and you go wherever you need to go from there. So I took the BBC car that time and on another occasion it picked me up from school. He said, what's going on? Like, why aren't you, why don't you want to go out with me? And I said, listen, because I said, because I've got something to tell you. I said, I'm 16. And he just replied saying, OK, so we're still on for dinner at 7.30. OK, so the Sunday Times and the Times then. When did this begin? Because there's been a bit of, well, a bit of a row on social media. Why does it take so long? Why does it take so long for people to come forward and make complaints? And isn't it telling that these complaints are being made now as that Brand has such a big following and he talks about vaccines and lockdowns and stuff like that. So is that true? Well, not according to the Sunday Times Special Investigation Editor James Coney. You'll hear him in a minute speak about that. He was on Julia Hartley Brewer's Talk TV programme. The first allegation that we had about Russell Brand came in 2019, which is um, uh, to Rosamund Irwin, who's a reporter at the Sunday Times. So he says 2019, the first allegation was made to Rosamund Irwin, or Ehrman, he said, a reporter at the Sunday Times in 2019, predating the COVID stuff. That's what he says. Um, obviously, that's a substantial time ago. And um, long before Russell Brand was uh, started his kind of current rhetoric on um, on YouTube, um, with allegations like, you know, and then with stories like this, allegations come in. And that was the first one of substance that we had. And lots of other things happen in between with investigations like this. And so... We then had another allegation of substance in about 2021, which is really then when the investigation started to kind of get into full swing. With investigations like this, they're very, very complicated. They involve talking to lots of lots of different people. We've spoken to close to about 500 people, I think, in total in the course of this investigation. And while you have to deal sensitively with people who make allegations like this, you also have to you also have to be rigorous and check everything that they're saying. And so, therefore, it takes a long time to do that. They're also very, very, very legally complicated. Yeah. So when, when people say, why now this, I mean, there's some, you know, I mean, there's no doubt at all that Russell Brand has gone down that sort of conspiracy theory. I agree with him on some things, disagree with him on others. But some are saying he's a conspiracy theorist now on lots of issues. You're saying, look, we've been looking into this for a long time. The why now is this is the point at which we were able to pull it together and be legally safe to actually put these allegations into the public mainstream yes and it's also about the women the 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 women that we've spoken to have been through an awful lot and gaining their trust and 
um, getting them to a position where they were willing to speak out is has been enormously complicated. And even and though so, a lot of them are anonymous, a lot of people are getting in touch saying this morning, um, why did these women go to the media? Why didn't they go to the police? And why didn't they go to the police at the time? What have they said to you about that? What have they said about not going to the police? Again, you're listening to Sunday Times Special Investigation Editor, James Coney. He's had a lot to do with this story. If you look at the story that we've written, they, they are... So, for example, uh, the woman who we call Nadia, who is based in Los Angeles, she went to a rape crisis counselling centre on the day that the attack happened. And that was reported to the police. And, and the interview that Charlotte Wace has, printed, has got in the Times today speaks to how she was intimidated by him. You know, this was a very, very, very famous man at the time. And as we've also got a piece in the paper today from the former Victims Commissioner of the Police in London, talking about how hard it is for women still to this day to have the confidence in a police investigation. They last years and years. They can be incredibly intimidating. And so therefore, if you're dealing with somebody who's very, very famous and you're in a vulnerable situation, it's enormously difficult to go to the police. More on this, the delay in reporting shortly, right? Now, media lawyer Mark Stevens was on the same show. What does he reckon? This is a well-known media lawyer, Mark Stevens. The allegations that have been made, they are detailed, uh, surprisingly detailed, actually, which is probably why they cleared the lawyers, not only at uh, at News International, but also at Channel 4. Uh, So I think that there are real questions to be asked and answered. uh, And as a consequence of that, I think uh, it's almost a racing certainty that the police have to investigate given the nature of the allegations. As to the second point about trial by media, clearly that's inappropriate. People who are uh, don't have relevant information, people who are untrammeled by knowledge, for example, Elon Musk saying he believes Russell Brand, is deeply unhelpful. It doesn't add to the sum total of human knowledge. What we need are careful examinations of what occurred, what was known. So if Uh, as Russell Brand says, he was promiscuous. That's perfectly fine. That's not illegal. You can have the morals of an alley cat. Morals of an alley cat. (laughs) But as long as it's two consenting adults, the law won't intervene. The law only intervenes where it is said not to be consensual. Fair enough, where it's said not to be consensual. A little bit more on this before we do another story. We'll be talking to Christine Hart about it uh, shortly. Old friend of the programme. It's been quite a while. Uh, since she was on. Caroline Dynage is an MP and chairs the Media, Culture and Sport Committee. She was on Times Radio talking about this today. What says Caroline Dynage? It kind of feels to me that this story has got somewhere to run. Uh, I think probably in the initial period we're going to be writing to the TV companies and uh, asking them to set out the process for the inquiries that they're making and and you know, the, a, a kind of sense of timelines on this, but we're not ruling out inviting them in to give evidence to the select committee if we don't feel that we're getting a satisfactory response. This is just the latest in what seemed to be a stream of these reports about culture in our TV industry, uh, reports about situations where Things were an open secret. Things were, people turned a blind eye, all these kind of phrases that we hear. And I just don't think it's good enough. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility that the committee that I'm chair of may decide that we're going to do a full-on inquiry into this 
kind of behaviour at the heart of um, a heart of television. Right. So television, and she's concerned about the culture around TV production companies and channels, and that needs to be looked at because they're hugely powerful organisations. It's like there are these giants of broadcasting, these giants of of, the, of our media, who just seem to wield an incredible amount of power and influence and are, you know, in the wrong hands, that influence and power can be used to disproportionately affect the lives and careers of other people. And we're really interested to understand to what extent the checks and balances are in place to prevent those kind of exploitations happening, you know, as far as is possible within the realms of uh, of their employer. Caroline Dynage. We're going to leave that one alone for now. Thank you for your messages. Faisal has been on to say, even in all, if allegations came in before in before in 2019, why have we only heard about them now? Don't believe a word of it, even though I don't like Russell Brand at all. Well, James Coney, Special Investigations Editor at the Sunday Times, I think gave a rather reasonable explanation as to why you're only hearing about it now. It takes a long time, is what is what he is saying, to corroborate, to check, to double and triple check with um, respect to statements given by alleged victims, the hiring of special investigators or private investigators. Christine Hart will speak to this in a few minutes' time, although I think she has a bit of sympathy for Russell Brand. So that's good. We'll get the other side of it now. Um, Mark says, until they go to the police, there is no case to answer. That guy from the Times doesn't give a toss about justice or women. You can hear it in his voice. I'd, I couldn't hear it in his voice. And until they go to the police. Do you know that of all the sexual offences reported to the police in the UK, only somewhere between 1% and 2% result in a conviction? That's not right, is it? Are we to believe that nearly every single complaint made by a woman is an erroneous one or is a lie, is a falsehood? I don't buy into that. So I, I'm not sure I buy that, Mark. Thanks for the comment. Lucy says, Richie, someone close to me was raped by a minor celebrity, a minor local celebrity. She only told me in 2003 that it happened in 2002. In my opinion, says Lucy, uh, it is my opinion that this person would speak out now in 2023 if it came out the person had raped others too. That's Lucy. Thank you, Lucy. Really appreciate that. Elizabeth said, isn't the World Health Organization supposed to vote the new One Health Pandemic Treaty soon? Maybe the Russell Brand thing is a distraction, says uh, Elizabeth. Thank you for that. Elizabeth, maybe. I do not know. A uh, hi to Bill, who says that's an insult to cats, surely, that alley cat comparison. Thank you, Bill. Karen has been in, in touch to say, Richie, in my opinion, these celebrities are sometimes thrown to the wolves, whether they're innocent or not, to show others of a similar ilk who really controls things, who rules the roost. They allow and control the fame, therefore they can also take it away. They've got the power to make and break you and destroy your character and the very memory of you, no matter how famous or wealthy you are. Nobody is too big, famous or successful. Thank you, Karen. And again, I'd like our listeners this evening, I'd like you, dear listener, to listen to me when I say I have not said, wouldn't dream of it because I don't know whether Russell Brand is guilty or innocent of anything. I do not know. But... He says, but. No, no, I'm not going to, to reverse myself. What I'm going to say is the text messages from Nadia in Los Angeles, those will be very, very problematic for him. I cannot wait to hear his explanation for those. You know, where he apologises for forcing himself on a woman. Yeah, well, well, again, 
trying to leave the judgment out of it. We'll we'll find out. Uh, I just I've never known anything to be quite simply black and white ever in all my years in the media. Nothing is ever as simple as he's a rapist or he's being targeted because he is some threat to the establishment. It's never as simple as that. David says, compare and contrast the time and effort invested in the brand investigation with the interest shown by our legacy press in our state's monstrous treatment of their fellow journalist, Julian Assange. That's an interesting take, David. Thank you for that. Yeah, that might be fair. Massive coverage of Russell Brand, scant coverage of Julian Assange, who languishes in jail here in, in, in the UK, in London, while they decide whether or not to extradite him to the United States of America. That's fair enough, David. Thank you for that. Paul says, Richie, oh, that, that's another um, thing entirely. Thank you very much. Uh, and Chris Morell, thank you, Chris, but the person you've mentioned in your message, uh, I have absolutely no interest in him whatsoever. Um, but feel free to watch and to consume uh, the programmes of, 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 of those you choose, but not for me, mate, not for me at all. Uh, this is interesting. We often talk about um, the madness, the lunacy, the silliness of people being condemned or asked to explain because they reposted something or they retweeted something or they liked something. How dare you go onto social media and like something? You know, you've liked the wrong thing. That could have, you know, that could have consequences for you. This is interesting to me. Camilla Tomney on GB News uh, spoke yesterday to Susan Hall. Now, Susan Hall is the Conservative Party candidate for the Mayor of London. Susan Hall, who proclaims to be against ULES ultra-low emission zone and all of that. And this just made me laugh. This really is, I'm going to say it, you're going to throw something at me. This is vaudeville. This is 1984. Listen to Camilla Tomini, who uh, professes to be a conservative, presenting these days on GB News. This is funny and tragic in equal parts. It's been alleged that you've liked tweets that endorse comments made by Enoch Powell. You've liked tweets that endorse comments made by Enoch Powell, Rivers of Blood speech. So that's like three or two degrees of separation. You've liked a tweet by somebody who endorses a speech by Enoch Powell. You crazy, right? That also that you've, I think, tweeted in 2020, quote... Tweeted in 2020? It's come on, Donald Trump, make sure you win and wipe the smile off this man's face. That's in response to a video of Sadiq Khan. Wow, wow. Did you tweet... Back in 2020, come on, Donald Trump, wipe the smile off Sadiq Khan's face, did you? You've also liked a tweet calling Mr Khan a traitor rat and saying that he's our nipple height mayor of... <laughs> I want to hear this one again. This one is good, this tweet. Traitor rat. A traitor rat. And saying that he's our nipple height mayor of Lundestan. Nipple height mayor of Lundestan, I think. Yeah. Are they the right things to be retweeting? Well, quite frankly, I knock on doors morning, noon and night. That's what I do. I ask people their opinions. I have never, ever had anybody on a doorstep say, oh, but I don't like your tweets. Mm. That's the first time you've ever heard a Tory tell the truth on the radio. 
I'd believe her. I can't imagine she's ever knocked on a door. Hi, my name is Susan Hall. I'm running for Mayor of London. Get away from this doorstep, you bitch. I saw that you liked a tweet from somebody who endorsed Enoch Powell. Get off my doorstep. I, I believe her. I doubt that's ever happened. Mm. People are worried about things like the ULEZ, yeah. uh, cost of living, and policing is high on everybody's agenda. That- or, 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 or the lack of policing. is <laughs> a failure of the police to actually be police officers and investigate crimes kind of a thing. That's what I'm hearing on the doorsteps. People people don't worry about that. People worry about what's going to affect their lives. And I have to be, with the greatest respect, what I put on Twitter on that doesn't affect people's lives. These okay. big issues do. Right. Fair enough. When I pop around people's houses on the old canvassing trail, nobody says to me, go away. I saw that you retweeted somebody who is hateful. I think she's probably telling the truth. It's just gone 20 minutes past the hour. Hi to Gronya. Hi, Gronya. Is it all another distraction like the Johnny Depp scenario? It might be, Gronya. But why is nobody coming back to me and saying, because I've mentioned already, the text messages sent by Brand, and they were sent by Brand, to the woman who fled his house in Los Angeles, where he says, don't worry, I'm really, really sorry. And then she says, do I have to worry about disease or get myself checked? And he says, don't, you don't have to worry about that. And he apologises for what he did to her. Why is nobody answering that? I'm not saying what that is and what that isn't, other than it's problematic. Jacob Reckon's brand has been flagged years ago as a Pied Piper figure, saying things that the truth or followers want to hear whilst being part of the establishment, not giving any solutions to the system he is exposing, in inverted commas, says Jacob. Thank you, Jacob, for that. And Kingoff says, Richie, they're all at it. He says, why would Brand be any different? He's with the World Economic Forum. Have you seen the pics of him kissing Klaus Schwab's second man? I haven't. You'll have to send them to me. I've not seen anything like that. And Nelly says, Richie, I find it absolutely appalling that a programme was made and aired on national TV about Brand and Lucy Letby before any conviction and sentencing. This is gaslighting the public, guilty before proven otherwise. It's a circus. Now, Nelly makes a fantastic point. Nelly makes a wonderful point. A woman has come forward and claimed that back in 2003, she was assaulted by Brand in Soho. Russell Brand is well within his rights to say, in light of what has gone on in the last 72 hours, how in the name of suffering Jesus could I possibly get a fair trial anywhere in light of not only what's gone on on social media, but the carry-on on GB News, Talk TV, Good Morning Britain and the rest. If Russell Brand said that, I would be the first to say, you're probably right, son. How could you trust the jury in this country to make a determination, to reach a conclusion on anything alleged by uh, alleged to have happened or to be any crime alleged to have been committed by Russell Brand? It is a farce. I 100% agree with that. You'll get no argument from me there. Christine Hart has uh, said hello. She's in the green room. That is the, the green room in the cybersphere. Music from Wet Leg. Music from a Wet Leg on the Richie Allen Show. It's 25 minutes past the hour of 5 o'clock. 
Great stuff, that. The debut album, Wet Lecture. I've only been selling it and selling it and selling it for about six months now. Anyway, let's welcome back to the programme an old friend of ours. It's been a while since she's been on. It's great to welcome her back. Private investigator these days. I wouldn't want her investigating me. I don't mind telling you. Uh, Sunday Times best-selling author and investigative journalist uh, for the big tabloid newspapers in this country she did for many years. Christine Hart, welcome back to the programme. How are you? Hi, Richie. Yes, really good to hear from you. That's great to hear from you. Yeah, it's been ages, hasn't it? And uh, this is the first of a two-parter, but I've asked Christine to come back in a couple of weeks to talk about other things she's involved with right now, which are incredibly interesting. But um, tell me this, what have you made? Uh, As we speak, everybody and anybody connected with Russell Brand is running away from him, a domestic abuse charity he... Uh, worked with, they're severing ties with him. His tour has been cancelled this afternoon. Everybody's got an opinion on it. What what say you, Christine? You've been involved in investigating very high-profile people over the years in your time in the newspapers. What do you make of it all? Well, it's interesting because when I worked for the News of the World, of course, people were targeted. So they were actually chosen by the people that control the newspapers. I know different people think, like Maza Mahmoud, the fake sheikh, for example, chose his victims, but actually he was given people to target. So orders to target do come from on high. Um, I think with Russell that it's trial by gossip. And I think he's been targeted. And I think he's been targeted because he's been talking about the COVID and the vax, you know, um, amongst other things. But that's something that's ongoing. The whole vaccination program, it's still churning round. So um, that's the main thing that they don't like. And you can tell that it's done as an attack by the way that it has so much aggression in it. Uh, The Channel 4 dispatches, it was so aggressively against him. They even took things that he was saying as humour and they quoted it as if it was his personal opinion when, you know, he was trying to make people laugh. Um, You know, they've grouped together now the different mainstream media organisations and, you know, they're more or less calling him a paedophile, which is the main thing we know that they they use against uh, men when they want to target them. You know, they, they, they call them rapists or paedophiles. And I think in his case, they've definitely done that because they haven't asked the question. They've merely stated, he's this, he's that, he's a rapist, he's a paedophile, and they've put it everywhere. And actually, I feel that he's toast. I don't think he'll, he'll come back from it. They've just hit too hard and they've hit together. And this is what they do. when when they target somebody because they know they can mind control the masses and the masses will think oh you know it's 100% true and they'll just walk away from him you know as people would have been doing and then you know once you get that sort of nonce label on somebody then you know people people just move away and they don't stand by him I noticed the Guardian and the Spectator coming out saying he's part of the establishment the establishment protected him so they're trying to get in with the you know the trendy liberals to you know say that you know he was part of the establishment and look at us now we're exposing the establishment but he's not part of the establishment he's part of the truth uh, movement and he's been revealing quite a lot of things which you know they've they've gone straight for the juggler in quite 
you know, it's not impartial reporting. They're they're attacking. Journalism is supposed to be about impartial reporting, not about targeting people. I'll give you this, because I see it a bit differently than you do. So thank God you're here for a bit of balance. And you'll get plenty of time and I won't be interrupting you because, as you know, we don't do that here. Um, I'll give you that much. I mean, it, it has been absolutely relentless. I, I would like to take you up in a few minutes on the notion that he may have been a threat to the status quo because I see that a little bit differently. But before that, I've got to ask you, I watched it and I watched it with a similar, I watch it like you, you're a journalist, I'm a journalist and uh, it's being lauded. I mean, The Telegraph gave it five stars. I thought it was a poorly put together programme. It was heavily and very selectively and, and very cleverly edited, as you've already said, to make it look like, you know, they would have something from the 16-year-old or the girl who was 16, they would have a, a comment from her and then a cut to uh, a comedy piece he did 20 years ago. That's crap. And, and I agree yeah. with you on uh, 100%. i tell you where I have a big problem. And it's with Nadia's evidence. Now, the Sunday Times and the Times, they're not stupid. Right. Nadia's evidence would trouble me. This is the woman who claims that she visited him at his house in Los Angeles. And her allegation is he was there with another woman. He came out, he was partially clothed. And after a few minutes, he turned her around, pushed her up against the wall and and without any protection whatsoever, forced himself into her. Now, he, he immediately texted her afterwards. He made the first contact after, after she'd gotten away to say, I'm really sorry about that. And she sent him a long text saying, no means no. And what the bloody hell? And do I need to get, do I need to get myself checked? And he says, no, you don't. And, and he apologizes. Now, Christine, you've been around the block like me a few times. That's very problematic for him, that. Uh, don't you think men are confused about what's okay with women and what's not okay with women? I mean, I'm not. after the E.L. E. James, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, men, I don't think, really know where they are. I think we have to strip it back and try and bring us all back to you only have sex while you're in love. I think that would, you know, get everything under control. But at the moment, while we're all having sex, just for recreation there's no lines they're blurred as to what you know we want men to be more dominant you know and yet we want christian gray and yet if you do that you're rapey so yeah but christine hang on hang on spinning hang on this this woman says no and no means no yeah you know and feminists will be screaming at me now to give you a kicking you know this woman says i said no and he Mm. essentially raped me she said that she found it difficult to get past him to leave the place because he was doing everything he could to make her stay there so he could explain himself. I'm not saying any of this is true now because I don't know it to be true. Yeah. But these are the allegations. And the Sunday Times are very bullish about the fact this is his phone. And he's not come out and said anything. I, I would have thought if he was entirely innocent that he would have been screaming from the rooftops about the about the the complainants, that he would have been saying, this is garbage, I want to see the evidence, I don't know who these women are. But he's not, he's gone straight to the, oh, there are agendas at play. So what what I'm saying is, I hear you, trial by television, trial by social media is outrageous, we know the establishment targets people, we know they use sex scandals to bring people down, but this Nadia story is problematic for him, it's really problematic. And no does mean no, and I know what's right and what's wrong. And if a woman tells me, I've been with the same woman for 22 years, by the way, when my missus says no, I understand she means no. 
Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. But I, I do still think that men are confused as to, you know, what their role in sex is supposed to be. I mean, that's my humble opinion. But I do understand when, you know, when you're going out with somebody and you don't feel like sex and you don't want that. But, you know, how are men supposed to know, you know, whether that's how you really feel at that given time when they're in a relationship with them. I mean, I'm not a man, but I'm just no. seeing it from their point of view. Well, just know, Christine. I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of astounded because I've known you for years and I've yeah. all the time in the world for you. But I'm astounded mm -hmm. that a woman is saying or asking the question, how is a man supposed to know? Well, the minute the lady says, no, I'm, I'm not in the mood for it, that's take a cold shower or grab a box of Kleenex and retire to your bedroom for me yes, and I'm not trying to be a saint aren't, aren't, aren't men aren't men now looking at things like Andrew Tate aren't yeah. they told to you've got to dominate your woman you've got to be you know like a real man quote unquote with women and you know women are reading Fifty Shades of Grey they want a Christian Grey get on that bed now you know get undressed do this do that you know I mean I I had an experience of well, I wasn't going out with him, but it was a social worker um, that I had and I was pregnant at the time and um, around his house, very young. And I was actually being sick and I was saying, you know, get off me. But he was making me perform an act on him um, while I was being sick. And I was saying, please, please don't. And he kept doing that. I mean, I didn't report it. Was I raped or sexually abused then? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of forgave him, but and thought, well, that's the way men are. But well, did um, you not think for a minute that as a social worker, he'd completely... Yeah, you, you, you know, I, I mean, that's beyond out of order and that he might go on to do something like that to a woman who might have been more vulnerable than you, because that's that's, true. that's sexual assault, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sexual assault. Yeah. Um, I was talking to somebody, you know, about something else I've been through. And they said, were you ever sexually abused in care? And I said, I had a relationship with a social worker. And they were like, no, that shouldn't have happened. So, yeah, so it made me look at that. And I said, well, there was a, you know, there was a, you know, I believed myself to be in a relationship with him, but there was, you know, that incident when that happened. And I didn't feel great about it, but I did, uh, I did forgive. So I was just telling that story. So, um, you know, that no, I've been, enough. you know, I've been there. Yeah. And can I've I just say there, this? I've been in that position. And can I just say this? I've had two or three messages from women saying something similar, saying that you've got a point, though, that it's not always as clear cut as it appears afterwards. And, I, and again, I, I'm not trying to score points with my female listeners. I'm speaking from the heart. For me, no means no. Uh, oh. it's, I, my missus has said no to me many a time. Um, I'm an yes, idea. You're, you're very grounded in your masculinity and, you know, you, you haven't got any problems, but there's a lot of men out there and they don't know how to be a man. They've got people like bringing his name up again, Andrew Tate, telling them how to be a man. You have to dominate women. And of course, in the old days, women were very dominated, you know, sexually. They had to 
you know, give it up for, for their men. And I think these days with things like Fifty Shades of Grey and, you know, that whole thing and pornography being the way it is, I think men are confused. And I think if you have sex recreationally, if you have sex outside of a love relationship, men are, they get confused and they don't know where they are. And I think women don't know where they are either. They don't, you know, they don't, is this man going to treat me well? You know, because there's no love there. I think if Nadia and Russell had had a, a, an intense love connection, there wouldn't have been any of that confusion. There wouldn't have been any, because uh, it, like when you look at your wife and you think, oh, she's saying no, you love her. But say you were with someone you didn't love, you think, hang on, I feel like sex tonight. And you're my girlfriend and I, you know, and, and you're saying no. So I think when there's no love there, then everyone can get confused about what the hell's going on. I'm not, you know. No, no, I mean, no, listen, I think listen, Nadia has suffered and I think you've explained yourself probably to me. say sorry, but all of this calling him a pedophile and a rapist. Well, that's ridiculous. I, I, I think it's gone too far and I think, I think mainstream media aren't to be trusted because what Russell has been coming out and saying about the vaccinations and about COVID and about, you know. Can we come to that in a second? Because I want yeah. to just say, you've, 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 exp look, I think you explained yourself properly first time around but I'm only now getting I'm only now getting what it is you're hinting at so if if Nadia had been carrying on a relationship with Brand and if it had been very heightened sexually and if it had been grabbing and throwing around and all of that sort of stuff it might go some way to explaining um, what happened in the house in Los Angeles the problem so that, that's that's hypothetically possible right the problem he's going to have is a judge in Los Angeles County Court won't give a damn. She said no, and you did it anyway, and you apologised to her later on. Therefore, um, you know that, that, that's how I see that going. I, 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 I yeah, you're, you're you're putting context into it. I get this. Let me read a few comments. Christine Hart, uh, Sunday Times best-selling author, private investigator these days, and has written for and investigated stories for some of the biggest tabloids in the history of this country. A lot of comment on it. A lot of people want to strangle you, um, but some women are saying, I kind of get what she's saying. Isabel says, no matter how much I despise Brand, it is true that it's disgusting that the TV documentary was shown without any prior trial that found him guilty. And as yeah. you said, Richie, what are the chances uh, for him now to have a fair trial? It's not fair on him and it's yeah. not fair on his victims. I mean, that, that, I mean yeah. that, that's an absolute fact. How could anybody with a straight face say that you could assemble an impartial jury in this country to judge Brand, uh, Christine, based on what's gone on in the last 72 hours, it would be very difficult, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. I, I would say he's finished. I mean, you know, the, the New York Post, I think it was, started talking about how, you know, he went out with a 16-year-old. And, um, I mean, why did he go out with a 16-year-old? It, it, it was, you know, that's crazy. To be 30 and to date a 16-year-old, I mean, why did he do that? But they're saying, oh, he was lusting after her. She was a virgin. He lusted after that. That was important to him. He called her child so there's the paedophile label that goes on and I think once that goes on some, somebody is toast I think they're literally um, they're literally finished aren't they I, I mean I don't I don't think they bounce back no from there's it. no it's recovery trial, trial by media yeah. and I think our media isn't to be trusted our media has a massive agenda to control us uh, uh, you know uh, 
at, the, at this point in time, they're not to be trusted what they tell us. And when they tell us something so strongly like they did in dispatches, and it was really, you know, taking things out of context. They did the Jimmy Savile quote. They had stuff he was staying on stage to make people laugh. That is, it's, it's a, it's a really incredibly vicious attack on another human being. It's not um it's not impartial it's no. not right it's not decent we're supposed to be a christian country and that it really isn't a christian way of carrying on so how can we trust them i think we as a people should stand up and reject that it's not it's not right it's not good I, I and i know the point. there was a woman in the guardian um i got i can't remember her name but she was saying you know uh, no, actually, it was Sam Leith in The Spectator. He was saying, of course, we um, journalists can investigate. Of course, we didn't have to have a trial first. A journalist can investigate and expose people. Well, not the way the things are at the moment and not so viciously because that dispatches. Anybody watching it can see how it was a very venomous attack, which is different from investigative reporting. It's an attack. It's an attack in the way the news of the world used to attack people. You know, smearing and viciously trying to destroy. Um, you know, and these are the people that want to bring in a new media and you know attacking uh, the mail, attacking the newspapers, and saying, "Oh, you know, we want to bring in a new media." Well, there's not going to be a new media. They just want a media that's more in control. And of course, the left-wing agenda that they're bringing in, whatever the hell that is. But Russell was certainly standing up to them, so it makes it all the more suspect. I think. On, on that, um, I made a point on my Sunday music program yesterday. I agreed with you about the tone and the editing of the so-called documentary. And absent in that documentary, and I've produced plenty of radio documentaries and radio shows nationally and, and, and commercially, what, what you would have been looking to do, because of how grave these allegations are, you would have been looking to speak to girlfriends or boyfriends of Russell Brands over the years to provide a little bit of balance. So I would have felt compelled as a producer, and I'm no saint, I'm not making myself out to be, you know, the nicest guy ever, but I was always fair. I would have tried to source people who were with him, who had sexual relationships with him, who said things on the record like, um, well, actually, um, I'm surprised to hear this because mm. blah, blah, blah. And of course, this was completely absent. Grace Anne mm. is in Ireland and says, Richie, Christine is off her rocker. Men don't know what no, men don't know what no means and women want 50 shades of grey. She is so wrong, says Grace Anne. And it is fairly balanced. I sound a bit like the BBC now because the BBC deliberately tries to balance up the comments or I just I just read them out oh, as they come. I just read them out okay. as they, I'm as they a, come I in. Can take the well, I know you can. Holy <laughs> God, okay. yeah. But uh, yeah, a lot of we, we are. They're coming in thick and fast from women saying, "Jesus, come on, Christine." You know, okay. no means no. You know, if you say no, forget about what he's into and forget about previous encounters. No means no. As Richie said, retire to your room and look after yourself, says, says a female listener here. What, we a, know what, what, you a, mean. what about what about men being told to dominate their women? And, you know, that's what being a real man is. What about all this message that they're receiving? I'm talking about younger men now. Yeah, and you, you mentioned earlier on Tate, and I've had a couple of wonderful guests on this programme over the years who've talked about the tendency of pornographic websites to increasingly show really violent pornography. I think yeah. we might have touched on this, Christine, when we talked about your own 
backstory when, when we spoke a few years ago. Look, oh. I, I get this, and I wonder what impact this is having on... Now, Russell Brand is the same age as me, so I'm not going to give him a pass. If Brand oh. is controlling, and if he's aggressive in sexual encounters, I don't know that he is, by the way, I wouldn't give him a pass by saying Pornhub increasingly shows violent porn. However, young men in their 20s, when they go to the pornographic websites, they see... Well, it's awful, really, what they see. They see women oh. in very compromising situations often being set upon by two, three, four men. And that has become the the, the, the more popular type of pornographic video. Yeah, that, that must be playing some part in what's happening to the dynamics between men and women. I would agree with that. I mean, teenage boys now. Look, when I was a teenage boy, uh, Christine, I couldn't wait to get a video, you know. I couldn't wait to go to the video shop because the video man always had a video under the counter. And we would rent the video as 15-year-olds and watch it and be amazed. Italian porn. <laughs> you know, soft music, right? Very, very, oh. very consensual stuff. Now, the 15-year-old kid today doesn't need to go to the video shop and beg uh, the video man to give him the video. He goes online and what he sees is violent. And you oh. believe this will have an impact on, on how he perceives sex and how he enjoys sex. Yes, but it's not just this. I mean, the whole the whole thing of the Fifty Shades of Grey uh, revolution, which it really was, young women were, you know, going along with that and saying it was okay. And there was all these, you know, tie up kind of videos. I mean, looking back to what Nadia went through, she wasn't beaten up or tied up. Um, I think there's probably women out there, hundreds, thousands, maybe millions that have gone through what Nadia's gone through. What do we all do now? Do we go to the local police station and say, oh, actually, you know, Dave and Steve did that, actually. And hmm, now I'm thinking about it. I think Eddie did that when we lost, you know. I mean, what, what's going to happen? Is that what we do? I think we have to look at ourselves as a society, not just, you know, point the finger at one man. Because, you know, people under this kind of pressure, you know, they sometimes end up suiciding it's not fair really just to point the brunt of what's wrong with society just at one man I mean there's rapes going on all over the world right now you know um Sweden Germany there's you know young 15 year olds being raped and society is a mess you know um I think we should look at this honestly and flush it out honestly and not let media take control because they're not inquiring they're not gentle they're not you know it's not you doing it Richie it's um it's a really dark force and people know that about you know the BBC Channel 4 all of them uh the newspapers that they're a very dark force and their agendas are dangerous and I think bringing themselves to bear just on one person in that way, I, I, I don't like it, you no. know, it doesn't seem right. Can I finish with, with, with Bran for a moment on this on this point? I've got to, because I, you, you see, you can go back to, to work, I'll just get hammered, I've got to do this. After Nadia says he spun her around, put her face up against the wall, did the thing... Um, he blocked the door and made it difficult for her to leave. He sent her a text message at 3.29 in the morning, which read, I'm sorry, that was crazy and selfish. I hope you can forgive me. 
I know that you're a lovely person. She replies, do you know how scary you are when that glazed look comes over you? When a girl says no, it means no. Do I have to go and get myself tested? To which he replied, you don't need to get tested. I will make this up to you somehow with love and kindness. Not my original idea, which was even more sex. You've been lovely to me and I'm embarrassed by my behaviour. Sorry. And I'm not saying this now to wind you up, by the way. I've got to say this. No. He's, he's going to prison. He'll be extradited if he doesn't go to Los Angeles voluntarily. He's going to go to jail for that. That's an admission of rape. You think that he's going to go to jail I'd say for it. so, yeah. I would imagine that the Los Angeles County District Attorney is going to issue a warrant for his arrest because apparently this lady, Nadia, went and got tested and the samples were frozen. I think he might be in a world of trouble here. I'm not saying he's guilty of anything. I'm Look, you, you, you've been a journalist for most of your adult life. So have I. We've seen how these things play out. He's texted her before she's texted him to apologise, saying he was crazy and selfish and asking for her forgiveness. Now, when you factor in what, what she's claimed, he's, 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 he's bang in trouble, I reckon. So it's not, it's not as black and white as people are making it out. You know, he's either being targeted by the agenda or he's a filthy racist. There, are, there is nuance here, but it's this particular case of this woman. That's the one that's going to hang him, I reckon. Yeah, there are degrees and it would be good to get a judge and a jury and to flush out the whole thing. Absolutely. You know, so we can find out exactly what went on and, you know, what happened afterwards and how everybody felt. And then reparations, you know, what what can what can he give this girl? You know, she's suffered so much. And, you know, what happens to him then? Is it a good idea that he goes to prison for it? You know, what you know, why did he think it was okay to do that? And just flush the whole thing out with some mature people doing it, not not um, Channel 4, Channel 4 who put out pornography. What is that ridiculous program they put out where people have to get naked and yeah. then have their date? It's, it's disgusting, absolutely disgusting. And they promote that kind of thing, sex without love. And it's because of sex without love in our society. The things like things like that go down, you know. I mean, it, it just really is. That's the bottom line. Well said. It's incredible for Channel 4 to take a moral position on anything Russell Brand did well, exactly. or didn't do. When you consider. And wasn't there some outrage about a Channel 4 programme which intended to include children in this? Um, Probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. And by the way, I just, I just want to just acknowledge one person who's commenting, somebody called Mark, who's um, um, a Russell Brand fanboy in the extreme, uh, saying, again, you are accepting Nadia's take without establishing its veracity. I never said I accepted Nadia's take. I said, based on the text messages sent to her by Brand, taking them at face value, He's in trouble. That's what I said. I've not found him guilty of anything. Listen, scrub out your ears and listen. You're listening to a radio show. You're not listening to social media or Twitter. This is proper journalism here. I've got a real journalist on the line in Christine Hart. We're discussing this like grown-ups and it isn't happening anywhere else on the media today at all. Um, great to have you back on, uh, Christine. Let's leave him for a minute. And in the time that we have left... We haven't had a chance to get into it, but we will when you're on with me in, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, mm. The last three years, eh? What the hell happened there in terms of the <laughs> media? I mean, how do you deal with that in nine minutes? I mean, in terms of the media, I mean, did you ever in your life imagine all the years you spent, the news of the world, the mail, the sun, 
Did you ever imagine that a government would try to enforce lockdown on people, to force people to stay in their homes, to close their businesses under penalty of fine? When you were in your, I mean, you're still in your pomp, obviously, but in your tabloid days, did you ever see anything like that coming down the line? No, I mean, it's terrifying. And also the, these vaccinations, I mean, I know we're not allowed to um, to talk about them, but, you know, people trusted. Obviously, I, I didn't get a vax. I don't trust. I don't trust um, the government. I don't, I don't trust, you know, those that are in control of this planet right now. You know, it's only getting darker and darker. Um, I, I seriously think it's end times. And... I think that whole thing with lockdowns and vax and the whole thing with different, you know, they didn't really investigate about COVID, what, where it came from. We're told it came from the Wuhan lab. It's going to happen again. They're going to say, oh, you know, it's Russia sent a bioweapon or whatever. It's not It's not ended. It's only going to escalate and escalate until a lot of us are dead because, you know, they, they, they want us dead. Basically, it's the bottom line. They don't want us reproducing. And it's really sinister um, what's going on. A lot of people have vaccine injuries uh my heart bleeds for them i was just talking to a man the other day who he has constant ringing in his ears from the astrazeneca jab and I, it just made me feel so bad because he just had a stroke and he was recovering from his stroke he's only in his 50s and then he went and got an astrazeneca jab and he says he says i can't even barely hear you it's just really loud ringing constantly i mean it really you know it's, it's really hard to sort of to hear that, um, you know, it's, it's horrendous. It's just appalling. It's horrendous. Huh? It's horrendous. Yeah, and we we hear about it all the time on on this yeah. program. People get in touch with us and say that somebody has had an adverse reaction, very serious adverse reaction to one of the jabs. Mm. And as you and I speak, Christine, uh, today they would have been injecting this stuff into um, over sixty fives. They're inviting people who are. Who they claim may be vulnerable to COVID infection to come forward for it, and we know that many of these people are going to be harmed very badly. I mean, that's going on, and it would only take really the BBC Newsnight program or Question Time or BBC News at One to do its job and to feature some of the genuine doctors who are attempting to report on this stuff and it will be game over. The rollout will be suspended, but it's not going to happen. It's left to people like you and me. Yeah, I mean, they just don't care. They really don't care. The BBC, they're highly sinister. I mean, all these news organisations, they're highly sinister and they've got a massive agenda, you know. I mean, I actually think they're all infused with AI, an AI that's more advanced than we know because obviously what we got get told about AI um, you know, it's only sort of, you know, the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there was somebody sacked from Google and they reported, it was one of their scientists reported that this AI, this this robot actually was so intelligent and so self-aware, they said that it felt like it was an alien intelligence and, and they ended up getting the sack. So what we know is so far behind and what they know is, is at least... 50 years, maybe more in advance. So, you know, they're probably using it to work out different ways to, um, you know, decrease the population, you know. They, they, 
Can we get That's into their agenda? Can we get into that issue and more um, in a couple of weeks' time sure. at your convenience for for a much longer uh, conversation? Because it's been too long since since you were on. Really, T- tell us this um, huge interest in you. If you don't believe me, just go to my website and there is an app for the Richie Allen Show. And since you came on, I've had two hundred and twenty five messages through it, which um, most. This is going to sound like real bragging now, um, but but the, the likes of Talk TV, LBC, they won't get that. They won't get 225 messages in the space of a half an hour. So that's incredible. So people want you to come back. I want you to come back, obviously. Where can people find you online, Christine? Um, online, I am on Facebook, Christine Hart. Um, there's a little picture of me. And um, I've got my own YouTube channel, Christine Hart, Private Investigator, um, so yeah, those two places, Facebook or Twitter, I'm on Twitter, Christine Hart, private investigator. So yeah, just join me there. That would be great. Yeah. And I hope you never end up investigating me because I know you're pretty, <laughs> pretty handy uh, to say the least. Thanks so much for coming on today. Short Thank notice. You. and playing not so much playing devil's advocate but putting the other uh side of it across there is no other side of it on uh, the legacy media today brilliant to have you back christine i can't wait to speak again soon and that's christine hart uh christine's a private investigator she's a sunday times best-selling author and uh once was an investigative reporter for the news of the world the mail she's done it all christine hart putting the case for russell brand on the richie allen show today karen says richie perhaps it isn't an either or situation with brand it could be both and he's fulfilled his usefulness no court trial needed Job done, says Karen. Thank you, Karen. Uh, Channel 4's Naked Attraction, says Darren B. Thank you, Darren. Carola says, well, hmm, the text is quite damning. I've maybe changed my mind. Of course, Carla, if the text message is proved, uh, if it is proved that it came from brand. Now, the Sunday Times and the Times are incredibly bullish about this. They're saying it is brand's phone. It's been confirmed. It is Brand who sent the message. That is what they are saying. And what I am saying, and I am not saying he is guilty, I am saying that is incredibly problematic for him. And based on that being genuine, as the text, he's in trouble. And I would imagine he will be convicted in America. And he will serve, um, he will serve jail time. I know it sounds, it almost sounds counterintuitive, or that I'm contradicting myself. I'm not. I'm not saying what is real and what isn't real. But I'm saying that text message is proven as brands, as it came from brand. Well, it's game over really, isn't it? Right? For him. Christine said there might be context here. You know, maybe this Nadia person, not real name, maybe her and brand had a very physical relationship, maybe. That puts some context in it. It might do. Uh, I'm of the opinion that no means no. Whether you're whether your relationship has been physical in the bedroom or not, no means no. And I don't have to say it repeatedly about not virtue signalling, you know me. My better half is listening live outside the studio in another room. She's free to barge into the studio now and call me a liar. No means no. When I was a younger man, I had two relationships really before El Frogo and I at times was told, no, I'm not in the mood, Richie. And that's it, fair enough. Like I said, two choices. Either say, okay, let's play a game of, I don't know, drafts, scrabble, chess, I don't know, or look after yourself. And I don't mean to be crude about that. No means no, regardless of what's gone on uh, previously. But, like I said, 
Um, we'll have to wait and see. Christine says, Richie, this lunchtime, Jess came past our doctors. It was cars parked everywhere, people getting the boosters. You can't seize them when you're sick, but surprise, surprise, get your booster and you're guaranteed an appointment. That's something, Christine, that's a fair comment. You cannot get an appointment or it's difficult to obtain an appointment. But if you ring up and say, I'll have one of those old boosters there, well, they'll be with you in a heartbeat. Yeah, I get you. Paco says, I think most headline articles written in the online Guardian newspaper and the Observer are probably written by AI. No humans involved except for proofreading, says Paco. Hi to Bob. Thank you, Bob, again. Um, And Rude Boy says, DJing for 20 years, he says, in the fetish scene. And then he says, there are safe words when it comes to S and M. He says, I'm afraid to say no means no. And that's uh, Marcus there. And Vivian was on to pose a question to me. And Vivian, I say this now in, in, in good spirit and in good cheer. She says, Vivian, or he says, Richie, ask yourself the question, when are they going to come after you? Vivian, please. <laughs> Where have you been the last three, four, five years? I'm not going to list some of the crap I've had to put up with. But suffice it to say, I don't talk about it very often because I'm not a truther and I'm not a martyr and the story is never about me. But seeing as you asked, a YouTube channel with over 100,000 subscribers earning several thousand pounds a month, deleted. PayPal account, deleted. My name is the name of my partner, photographs of us, our addresses and phone numbers were posted on Twitter and people were invited to come and see me. That was in 2019. I'm going to leave it there because there were other incidents as well. When are they going to come after me? Yeah, where have you been, Vivian? Two minutes past the hour. Time for music. When we come back, more of your comments, and then I'm looking forward to speaking, catching up with Rob again. Rob Wilson, a secondary school teacher. He's been on the programme before. This is massive stuff as well how they're going after kids. We're going to do this for... This is a story we're going to be covering this week because I'm delighted to tell you that Pippa King, Biometrics in School, Pippa, who, just like Christine, has not been on with me for quite a long time. Uh, Pippa will be on the programme tomorrow night to talk about Biometrics in School, following on again from the phone-in show we had last week. Um, But Rob Wilson will be with me soon. Here's music from the Lemonheads. It's your Richie Allen Show, live on richieallen.co.uk, three minutes past the hour. Mrs. Robinson. This is the Lemonheads cover of Mrs. Robinson by Simon and Garfunkel. I'm going to give the final word on Russell Brand to Jilly. Hi, Jilly. Richie, I listened to Woman's Air this morning and Alice, the girl who was 16. Firstly, legally, who was 16 at the time, firstly, is legally allowed to have sex, but she also said that, that her mum tried every which way to stop her going out or meeting up with Russell Brand. The girl didn't sound innocent in any way. She got out of her house despite her parents' attempts to to restrict her, so she must have somehow felt comfortable. It wasn't just one visit after all. I've never been a fan of Mr. Brand, though, and stand aside on any part of the fence on this, says Jilly. Fair enough, Jilly. That's fair enough. Uh, Emma Barnett did the interview with the girl, or the lady, she's a woman now, who was uh, 16 at the time she alleges this relationship with Brand. 
And as I have tweeted, I'm not going to say it here because I don't have the time, uh, Emma Barnett, hardly appropriate to be interviewing a woman who claims that she had been groomed. And you can look that up if you want to, to know why. Let's, um, let's do that thing we say, that cliché. Let's move on momentarily. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support The Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. I don't know about you, but it seems to me like the old programme is flying on by today. Let me read you this. Do you remember um, Rob was on the programme? He phoned in, actually, initially. Rob Wilson, he's head of design and technology at a big secondary school in the Midlands or the Midlands-ish. And he's a very, very, very nice fella. He's been in touch with me because he heard the phone-in programme last Wednesday where some, uh, I can say children, I suppose, it's fair enough to say children, uh, phoned in Caitlin and her brother Robert. Particularly, we also heard from Evie, but Caitlin and Robert talking about uh, Caitlin's school had basically gone to fingerprinting as a means of payment, okay, that it's the only means of payment in her school right now. They, you, you top up your account using a machine, and then when you go through the canteen, you pay with your thumb, and that is the only method of payment acceptable in the school. Now, Rob's all over this, and he's even written for the Scottish Union for Education on it. We know them well. We know Stuart Waiton well. And he, he wrote to me to tell me about multi-academy trust system which is now basically makes up 90% of schools in the UK, and that cashless fingerprint catering systems are being introduced or have been in the majority of schools. And Rob told me that um, he's been observing think tanks and NGOs who are all over education, and that he can see a pattern here, that he's coming up against a term digital learning wallets, or as some people say, digital learner IDs, the biggest advocate for these things is the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change, which is partnered with the World Economic Forum. Would you believe it? Tony Blair's son, Ewan Blair, is involved in a company called Multiverse, which is very um, prominent in investing in this sector. A race, says Rob, between a number of tech-ed companies to trial digital learning wallets in schools. Let's welcome back to the programme. Great to have him back. Rob Wilson. How are you doing, Rob? Good to have you back on. Very good, Richie. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. No, mate, don't thank me. Um, you do all this work and then you come to my door with it all packaged up. I don't have to do anything <laughs> other than say hello to you. So thanks again. So yes. when Caitlin says to me on the show the other night with um, Dad Clive and Brother Robert, Richie, you won't believe it. We, 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 we must pay by thumbprint. Otherwise, we don't buy at the canteen. This didn't surprise you at all. Well, no, it doesn't, because I'm I'm witness to it myself working in a school. Um, my son has actually just started secondary school, and um, we opted uh, out of the biometric scans, and he's had issues himself um, getting served at one of the canteens. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm aware of it on a, on a few fronts. Um, but yes, um, I mean, just just to say, I mean, your listeners will be aware of this. I mean, the the holy grail for these globalists is um, is the digital IDs, um, and I, I believe, I hope I'm wrong, but I believe from observing it and what I've seen that that I, I think they're going to use schools and childrens to to drive these this through 
Now, Rob, Rob, um, digital learner IDs. We've got loads of time, so forgive the occasional interjection. Yeah. Um, we we can go up to five minutes to the top of the hour, um, if, if we need to. Right? Why why the kids then? Uh, as not so much the guinea pigs, but as the means of rollout. Is it because the youngsters are very much into their phones and their devices and their social media? Yes, I think they're more they're, they're more likely to accept it, and it's conditioning a situation where um, where where there'll be much less resistance, perhaps, to bring it in later on. Um, I mean, can I just explain where where schools are at now and what what it's like at school now? Oh, do by all um, means, Rob, go ahead. Um, so the situation we have now, I mean, you briefly explained the multi academy trust system. Um, that's that was brought in by Tony Blair in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and it's basically resulted in schools collectivising together. So you'll have a have a multi-academy trust. It could be 20, 30. There are some even up to 50 schools together. So the decision making in the school is very um, cop, uh, sort of top down. So if the CEO decides to bring in the fingerprints, um, that's going to be introduced into 20 schools possibly. So um, also, if you turn up to a secondary school now, you will see CCTV foot cameras everywhere um, in the corridors around the school site. Thankfully, we don't have cameras in classrooms yet. But um, but yeah, that's the situation. And and these fingerprints, they've actually been they've been around for about seven years. And you mentioned Pippa King earlier on, who's done some fantastic work on it. And she'll probably hopefully back up some of the stuff I'm saying tonight and um, and go into more detail about the actual biometrics of fingerprints. But um, to use the um, the language of, of, of the educators, they consider that system to be be embedded now. So I, I looked up the other Do day. Do they, Rob? Do they? Hang, so, so they think that battle has been won then? Uh, yes, yeah, because I think a, approximately 85% of state schools have got this system in now. And um, we, I mean, yeah, you're probably talking at 95% plus of students are, are going along with it in schools. So you're talking about millions of kids have given away their biometric fingerprint data um, over the last few years. Um, Can I ask you um, this? Um, sorry now to interrupt your flow. I don't mean yeah. to do that because I know you were on a good roll there and I didn't want to do that. But I've got to interject okay. here. Would So your lad now is starting secondary. Would you yes. not be given a form for you and your lad's mum to consent to his fingerprints being taken for use in the canteen? Well, we did. We uh, we got given a form and obviously we turned it down. So we declined consent for biometrics and the school my son is at, they offer to they offer an option of um, of a prepaid card that he can have to, to buy his school lunch. Um, that's not bad. That That's good then, because Caitlin seemed to infer that it was our way or the highway with at her school. There didn't seem to be any compromise yes. there. So your well, your I, school says we'll have a compromise. You can prepay a card, and that's so that's not that's that's a compromise at least, right? It is at least, yeah. Um, but I, it's the information is very much presented as you have to do it. Um, now we on on my son's very first day at secondary school, 
um, they took his fingerprint. Now, my, my son's a good lad and he kind of does what he's told. Um, uh, and obviously he came back and said, oh, I had to give my fingerprint in today. So um, obviously I'm not too happy about it because yeah. we've not um, consented to that. So I contact the school and they're, they're very apologetic and they say, oh, it's just an innocent mistake and uh, so on and so forth. But um, it, it is very much the tone of what's wrong with you? Why, why, why don't you want this fingerprint taken? Yeah. Um, as if it's sort of... Um, um, yeah, you've got a problem if you if you don't want your fingerprints data taken. So, um, yeah, we've had that battle, and I've also I'm I'm actually waiting to hear back from them because at, at my son's school there's two canteens. Um, he can only use one canteen because the other canteen is fingerprint only. So I've I've sort of told them that they're actually discriminating against him because he's not getting the same deal as everybody else. Yeah, but, well, I take, uh, I take back what I said about the compromise because eventually the canteen that allows the prepaid card, there will be an excuse down the line. We can't continue to do that. It's not cost effective. It's think, it's it's a thumbprint yes. or nothing. That's where it's going. That's so, where it'll go, yeah, yeah. And that's how they try to get everybody in the end. And I think that's, that's, that's where they're going to head with it. Do you want me to shock um, you before you go on? Um, you won't be shocked. Julia is in New York. A school here on Long Island in New York has an app that even tracks kids' trips to the bathroom. Did you know that? <laughs> I didn't know that, but it doesn't surprise me. Um, I know in Australia um, they used fingerprints for registration. Um, so that's to check in and out. So um, I would imagine that's pretty total, that they all have to do that. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've seen those videos in China. Um, they're using facial recognition cameras in, in some schools in China yeah. as well. So, um, And do you feel it's inevitable that children will eventually have to put their faces to a scanner to get into school? That's If it's happening in China today, it might very well come here in the next five, ten years maybe. I, I hope not. And that's kind of why I'm on, kind of why I contact You're trying to alert, alert people, yeah. So Yes, because if enough people are awake to what's what's going and the direction of travel, um, then they can stop it, can't we? And um, as I say, that's kind of where why I'm on, because I want to give people a bit of a heads up as to where schools are at now and where they could potentially go. Because... Um, you, you can just see the way that they're, they're getting all their ducks in, in a line for um, for data collection, basically. Education is just, a, a, the potential for data harvesting is immense. Um, and schools already collect a huge amount of data digitally. So you've obviously got attendance, um, got behaviour, good or bad, is all recorded digitally. Any assessment they do from a from a 20 word spelling test through to a, a full blown formal exam, that's all recorded digitally now. Um, SEN, special educational needs data, that's on there. Um, medical data, of course, that includes vaccination status um, and then stuff like learner characteristics. So all this data is kind of being recorded. And um, and where is it being stored, Rob? Rob, Rob, again, apologies for the interruption, but I am an no, ignoramus no, no. here. 
where is this being stored? Where where does privacy come into it? And who could access that data if they decided they wanted to? Well, at the moment, and this is where we're at now, so it's stored in-house with the schools or the or the, the trust, the multi-academy trust, which could be 20-odd schools combined. Um, it's also, if they've got an outside company like Pearson or Sims or... Um, um, they use like a um, like a homework app, things like that. Uh, they will have the data as well. And of course, these um, um, these fingerprint companies, that's all outsourced. Um, so yeah, there will be this. The data is in all these different places. Now, who's got access to it at the moment? Who knows, really? And how how trusting are we of these these organisations? Again, <laughs> well, it's so funny. It's not it's very, funny. and I suspect a lot of your listeners not very. Well, no, absolutely, and and yeah. like we we, isn't it isn't it a stated objective, of the World Health Organization, that eventually, uh, digital health passports or digital learning IDs in terms of children, that they will be stored on a centralized database globally in in the event of a new variant or a brand new pandemic that it's easy to access the vulnerable and the not so vulnerable that's the stated aim of these organizations isn't it it is it is it's in black and white in all the documents isn't it um um yeah and and it's not a stretch to think that they all tag on all this other data as well at some point in the future. Um, and by other I, data now, do you mean, um, you, you know, because we know in China they're running the social credit. We know. I I was amazed a few years ago to see that video, which was, was proved to be authentic, where the uh, person speaking over the Tannoy in a train station in Shanghai was warning people about the consequences of loitering and, you know, smoking in the wrong places, yes. you know, that there would be that there would be a penalty for that. So do you mean that as well as all of the data you've described, the merit points, the behaviour points, all of that, um, the medical data, the vaccination, is that data um, might be uploaded to, to, to your file, to your record, along the lines of whether you're a nice person or not, or whether you're, whether you're charitable, or whether you support certain causes or not? Is that possible? Okay, of course it is possible, yeah. Yeah, and the, poten- the potential is there. I mean... These tech companies, they call data gold, don't they? It is yeah. um, it is massive for them, and they trade in data as well. Um, I'm sure your friend Hayden would um, would be able to talk about the um, the tech sector. But um, you've got you've got the tech ed ed sector is huge, and it's circling round education. And you can see all these companies positioning themselves. And they all sort of they're all linked in with the think tanks. Um, and so how it works is so an idea will filter down from the very top and you can trace it right from the top. So you can go right from the UN documents on education through UNESCO, where they talk about sustainable development goal four, which is quality education. You read through that document. Well, I wouldn't advise you read through it. It's, not, uh, it's all in globalese. But that that talks about centralising data and um, um, using it to to make education more sustainable 
and it's it talks about um, working with partners and partnerships and of course um, the strategic partner of the uh, UN is the World Economic Forum so you look at that and they release a document called Catalyzing Education and um, that's all about um, creating these digital learning IDs or digital learning wallets as they sometimes call them um, and tagging it with AI learning so that's um, um, artificial intelligence catered um, specific learning um, and of course they they're partnered with the tech tech ed sector they're partnered with another well a big player in the in the world economic forum is is tony blair and his institute of the tony blair institute for Go global change they're huge on education so they pump out documents i mean tony blair wants what he calls a world education service where he wants to align curriculums particularly in the in the western world um, and align assessment of those curriculums and the qualifications and alongside that he wants to bring in digital learning ids uh, and they talk about it kicking in right from preschool going right through into adult education everything you do every assessment you do is recorded in one place um, and of course Tony Blair, his, I would say that's one of the biggest think tanks and one of the most influential ones in education. And we still have a legacy in education of a lot of people who are basically Blairites. Um, so they, they love all this stuff and you can hear them talking about it. And although it's not in place yet, you can see that they're getting all the ducks in a line ready to potentially bring it in because can i confirm um, what you just said there blair blair's goal is to i shouldn't say homogenize but across the western world he wants educational um he wants academies of education whether they be primary school secondary school or preschool he wants them all teaching pretty much exactly the same things at the same yes. time yes wow. and he calls it his world education service yeah <laughs> it's not something anybody's going to hear on sky news or the bbc well, later on no no and of course anything that that traces its way back to agenda 2030 and those sustainable goals you never hear about it um and and i talk about try i try and talk about it with with colleagues and and they're just not interested and i'm talking about people working at higher levels not interested and they, and they can't they can't see where a lot of this stuff comes from um and if it's there in black and white if you if you trace all the documents back um from the white papers that our documents our government releases um and there's a document um that our government's released um where it's it because it's fully signed up to achieving the goals of agenda 2030 Obviously, that includes Sustainable Development Goal 4, education. So it's fully agreed to try and achieve that. Um, you just never hear it talked about. You never, you? Hear, it, <laughs> you never hear it talked about. And yeah. but, but it, it seems to me that players' organisations, then, if everybody is hearing the same things in schools right across the Western world, 
Yes. I, I imagine, and this is a very loaded question, a very editorialised question. It's not even a question, it's a statement I'm going to make. But um, this, a lot of this will be based around climate change and sustainability. And a lot of it will be um, gender theories and queer theories and stuff like that. A lot of this stuff, they want to get a lot of this stuff in the classrooms. And we, we know this is already... Is that important, those two subjects? You know, what it is to be a person, your sexuality, and it's a different subject, but uh, equally serious, the whole climate change thing. Do those topics keep popping up? Are those topics that the Blair Institute for Global Change or whatever it's called is really interested in? Absolutely, yeah. And and again, it's all there in the documentation. Um, there's a, there's a U, UNESCO document called the International Technical Guidance on Sexuality Education. Um, and if you if you plough through that document, you'll see it's uh, although it doesn't specifically mention sort of queer theory, um, gender theory, um, it it opens the door for all that to be discussed. Um, and then of course it filters down and it hits hit, hits national governments who nod it through, and then it hits all the think tanks or um, one of the main ones in the UK is the Education Endowment Foundation, um, and then they take their interpretation of that, and that's how how a lot of that stuff has has crept in. But I mean, the climate change stuff, yeah, I mean that that's that's writ large. Now. So so this so this is pretty horrifying. Just before I, I I pose my next, it's not a question. We're having a conversation, but let me remind our listeners who yeah. are listening to Rob is. Um, I'm going to say this. He's a brilliant researcher. Um, he heads design and technology at a big secondary school here in uh, in England, uh, all verified by the way, and he's been um, doing a bit of work with uh, the Scottish Union for Education, an organisation very concerned about this as well. It's lovely to have Rob on uh, the programme, even though this is deadly serious. Don't the parents, we, we give parents a pass here, don't we? I mean, it seems to me yeah. like you take a big interest in what what's being said to your lad when he's in when he's in when he's in the classroom? You mentioned Hayden earlier. Hayden Hewitt takes a serious interest in Hayden Junior and what he's hearing in classrooms, yeah. and he's intervened in the past. He, he's a gentleman, so he intervenes like a gentleman, but he puts the foot down, as does his wife uh, Margaret, by the way, a, a great lady. But you're the exceptions to me. Don't parents deserve whatever they get because for so many of them, they dropped them off at the school and they couldn't give a shite, really. Yes, I'm, uh, yeah, you're right, Richie. And and this is a frustration, really. And um, as I say, why I'm on to try and alert parents. I, I think we're at a point in time where we need to be watching these schools like a hawk and everything that's coming in um, um, and and finding out what is going on in your schools um, and what your kids are actually being taught. Um, I mean, we had a crisis of conscience, really. Um, as I say, my, my son has literally just started secondary school. Um, I've been uh, I've been listening to your show for a long time, Rich. Can I just say a, a belated happy ninth birthday? Oh, thanks. Um, Rob, um, thank you. So I've been listening to you for, since about 2017. You was on YouTube in those days. Um, so I can th I can only thank you for alerting me to a lot of these agendas. And um, I will also massive thanks because um, because of some of the information I've heard on your show, 
Um, my family have made some very beneficial medical decisions, shall I say. Oh, um, fantastic. Not having certain things. Um, Thanks but, for saying but, that, by the way. It's the guests, the guests, the guests uh, with the info. You're, you're brilliant for saying yes. that. I really appreciate that. No, no, but, thank but, you but, to but, you for that. But, but um, we were talking about parents, so... Back to, back to sorry, back yeah. to a sidetrack there. Yeah, back to keeping an eye on schools, yeah. Because um, things, I think, are going to move pretty fast. As, as I say, schools are now pretty heavily surveilled. You've got all this data being taken. Um um you just got to keep an eye on what's going on i'll give you one example actually quite a recent example again it relates to the tech ed sector so um seemed innocent enough all the students at, uh, at my school uh, were asked to log into and become um, a registered member of unifrog this uh, online careers database so it's designed to um to to give students lots of information about potential careers that they might have. So all sounds innocent enough. So pretty much all the school, all the kids in the school logged in. Now, after they, as, as part of the login process, they had to do a psychometric test. And of course it said, we were gonna gather this psychometric data so we can tailor um, the information that we present to you in terms of careers which careers would best suit you. So of course they all did that, but there you go. In about a 15 minute tutor time, a thousand kids had all updated their psychometric data into the wow. into the ether there. So um, um, yeah, that's just one example. Now I don't think parents may have got a letter to say, oh, would your son or daughter like to sign up to this Unifrog careers database? Yeah, I don't see a problem with that. Blah, 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 blah. They log in, but they also give away their psychometric data in a test. And again, that data's gone out there. So the data harvesting potential is enormous in education, absolutely enormous. So we've got to keep an eye on what so you have. Doing. So you have the World Economic Forum and you have other organisations, Gates and Blair, and they want this data because they basically want to program the minds of children. That's on the one hand. There's no doubt about that. It sounds very yeah. sensational. But that's on the other hand, you have massive corporations. They want to get all this data because they basically want to um, create an identikit. Like they want to understand with every child, they have a customer of the future, don't they? So th they get all this data and they learn how to better sell what it is they want to sell to each individual child who in 10 years time will be 21, 22, 23. So you have different groups of people who want yes. this data for different reasons. Yes. And um, well, again, going back to your friend Hayden, I mean, he said, hasn't he, that, that they use the, the private sector to drive a lot of this yeah. stuff. And I think they will with this as well. So um, all these tech ed companies, um, They'll work with the think tanks. Um, another big one that's used is called evidence-based education. Well, you've got a similar situation to what you've got with that's happened in the medical industry. There, it's like you can get you can get the research and the results you want if you're prepared to pay for it. So it won't be long before they're trialing these digital IDs, and they'll they'll come and they'll say how successful they are. Um, and they've already started to get the unions on side, the teaching unions, because they're starting to say 
these will be uh, th these will say these these will save workload and free you up to do other things. Um, but Rob, hang on, the teachers must be idiots because they must understand. <laughs> no, not you, obviously, but the yeah. teachers must understand what com what 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 will meet them at the end of that road, and what will meet them is artificial well, intelligence be used against them. Yes. Well. It'll be artificial intelligence grading the work of the children. And ultimately, it will be artificial intelligence delivering the lessons, ultimately. Yes. So, yes. Rob, you're a lovely, lovely fella, Rob, lovely teacher. Don't need you anymore because we've got a bot now that can deliver the lesson and save us a lot of money. I mean, they can't be that stupid. They don't understand this is where it's going, right? You would think, you would think, but um, again, there's not enough people talking about it and i think what the problem is the people on the ground that you just caught up with day to day um like i say multi-academy trusts are now very much top down your head teachers are basically middle managers who just implement policy so the decisions are made at what's what's seemingly such a far off level that they just they just seem to accept everything that comes comes through. It's it's only awkward old sods like me that start asking yeah. questions. And if you um, had any, I think we just touched on this before, but I'll ask you again. Yeah. Is that something you have to worry about yourself? You know, in your own position. Um. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've I've had to wrestle with my conscience. Uh, uh, first of all, whether I send my own school to sec my own son to secondary school, or whether we um educate him at home at the moment we've decided he's better off in school um he's into his sport and he's got lots of friends and the one good thing about lincolnshire is we're a little bit backward so that's not necessarily a bad thing sometimes <laughs> um and also in my own personal career um i've had a few dark nights of the soul where i'm thinking i need to get out because i'm working in a system that i'm I'm not on board with I'm not on board with the direction of travel. Um, I've kind of reconciled that recently because um, I've thought, well, as long as I'm in there, I'm a little spanner in the works. I'm a little block on things. I'm a voice that does speak out. Um, I've no aspirations to in terms of career progression anymore because, well, <laughs> I've burned those bridges, I think. Um, but um, yeah, for now, I've, I've kind of um, decided I'm better off in and I, I, maybe I can do a bit more good while I'm in. Um, and yeah, that's that's where I'm at at the moment. But I'm, I'm very uh, at peace with the fact that um, any day it could be I could walk away or they could turn up with a cardboard box and say, put your things in there, off you go. And follow these nice, follow these <laughs> nice I, security guards. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, it's genuinely nice to hear that because, yeah. you know, there will be teachers, I'm sure there will be one or two teachers listening to this and they will, they will understand what it is you've been saying and they will know yeah. what's going on. I've got to read a few comments. Lots came in. Yes, Sarah says, climate change is being taught in geography now, Richie. She's right, it's being taught as fact, uh, believe it or yes. not. Uh, and students are being told water is the next gold. Uh, let me read this from Cookie or Cookie. Written in the 1920s, Hitler said, whoever has the youth has the future. Even before they came to power in 1933, Nazi leaders had begun to organise groups that would train young people according to Nazi 
principles. He, he's right to say that, but for some, that will be very strong, Rob, to compare what you're seeing, you know, this this kind of yeah. incremental takeover of the rights of children, their human rights. Can uh, I go, just say the... Go the, right ahead. The best explanation of, of the system that we're under at the moment, um, I think, has been by Mark Windows. He, um, so... I'm on you now, and all most of your listeners will be aware we're not in a democracy anymore, are we? What that thing in the Houses of Parliament is just for show, isn't it? Um, um, the this communitarianism governance system, I think, is the best explanation of what we've got. So, at the very top level, it, it is fascism, it's basically um, government and corporations working together, and then it's like a soft form of um digital communism for the rest of us or it's it's coming isn't it we can kind of see it um and it's not going to be the jackboot is it that stops you going somewhere it's going to be a qr code that stops you going somewhere so um that's kind of my my understanding of it this communitarian governance and you can see it in education how policies come in um, there's little or no consultation. It's just kind of decided, and then it just they kind of weed it in slowly. Uh, I suppose like the fingerprint thing seven years ago, and then they try and get it embedded. Um, yeah, that's that. That's the the best thing I can say. I would say go full blown <laughs> Nazism is maybe a bit strong. It's more the communitarian governance I would go with. I'll tell you, Rob, um, huge interest in this. Um, Mikey says, this guy is brilliant, so articulate and eye-opening. I will be sharing the audio with many uh, people. My child will be born in January 2024, and I'm petrified of this system. And I'm aware of that, because I said to uh, Jean-Anne, I have been listening to you, Rob, but I did send a message to Jean-Anne, because um, my my friend in, in, in Ireland, she's been listening, and I said to her, you know, I, I would have liked to have children, and you never know, I suppose. Yes. But but sometimes when I hear this, I think, I, I don't know if I'd be able to cope with that, because you're telling us this now, and I know it's true, every word of it. And I remember, and I mean, I mean this is where we are now, I remember being worried about several years ago. I worried about, well, if if Caroline becomes pregnant and she has a child, I thought, right, well, we've got to fight off the people trying to inoculate the kids. We've got to fight that off. And, and then they'll send health visitors around and we'll fight those off. And mm-hmm. once, once the kid is five or six years of age, we'll have gotten through the worst of it. We'll have gotten through the woods. But we knew nothing then. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's not get over the worst of it. And it's, it's like constant fighting fires all the time with your children, all of this stuff. And I do feel a bit guilty now having a go at the parents saying they're lazy because I know they're not really. I know they're harried and they're worried and money and finances and all the rest of that. And it's difficult to be on top of everything and, and to know that this stuff is coming down the line. And so many parents might hear this and think, right, Jesus, what am I going to do? And and they don't have the option to homeschool. It's just not there for them. No. It's it's it. This is horrendous stuff. This, but it's so. Yeah. Can I read a couple more comments? Just a couple more, and then you come back in. Then you can, yeah. And I, I've got a couple of positive things to say. So um, brilliant. I, we'll get to those. Yeah. yeah well, I'll read. I'll read the comments, and then we'll do. Um, a school governor has uh, sent a message. 
Why do you think the government wants all schools to be academies by 2030? It's because it's easier to convince a handful of CEOs to adopt policies than it is to convince thousands of individual head teachers. Go to Companies House and look up the latest accounts for Delta Academy. Now ask yourself, how can they be showing such a high surplus while state schools are going bankrupt? That's from a school governor, who I hope might reach out to the programme. And we might get you on for a chat uh, privately. Go ahead. He's right, he's right. And I think it is part of this governance system that we've got where you you create um, like a management class. So I'm talking about head teachers and those above head teachers. So uh, like a multi-academy trust of 30 schools will have a whole raft of managers above head teachers and they'll have a CEO on £200,000 a year plus. Um, and then they have links with some of the, the think tanks um, there are, it's a big club and we ain't in it basically um, <laughs> to yeah. quote somebody but um, it's a gravy Carlin. train so at that level at the decision making level they've created a gravy train and it is not in these people's interest to, to kick back and push back against it they're just going to nod everything through um, and that yeah that's that's the system we've got now before we get it's your about pos- control isn't it's about it? control and got control of it before you um, give us your positives, because we're, we're rapidly running out of time. Um, folks, it's great to have Rob Wilson on the programme, Head of Design and Technology at a secondary school in Lincolnshire in England. And he's kind of, to be fair to him, he's making it alongside his family life and alongside his profession. He's making it his life, his life's work to educate people about this, to alert them that these things are really happening and they're not conspiracy theories. They're not moral panics. This stuff is going on and it's happening to your kid. Not just here in the UK, it's going on in Ireland, it's going on in America. A lady was in touch earlier on to talk about apps tracking kids going to the toilet. Mother of God. Um, one more before we, we get to positive. Holly says, it's lovely knowing that we are all out there being little spanners in each area. She loved your comment about being a you know, a little wrench in the works. We look across into the darkness and see each other's shining like lighthouses. That's from Holly. Brilliant, Holly. Right, give us the positive, Rob. What, what's what's right. good? What's happening? Okay, well, a couple of positives. In spite of this horrendous multi-academy trust system we've got, uh, there is still a lot of good people in education. They're at the ground level, but there is still a lot of good people doing a lot of good work. Um, they're shackled in many areas, but they are, in spite of that, still doing a lot of good stuff. So there is still good things happening in schools and there's still a lot of fantastic kids going through the system who I'm sure are going to go on and be, and be do well. Um, um also, um, again, what, just to repeat why I'm saying this, just a bit of foreknowledge. We're, we're not, these digital learning IDs, they're not in place yet. Um, there's a lot of talk about them and you can see that they're getting things ready, perhaps to bring them in, but they aren't in yet. So we can, if enough of us kick off about it, enough of us complain, uh, refuse, um they're not going to get it through, are they? So um, so they're not in yet. Um, also, it's never too late to opt out. So even if you've got a child who's um, in the middle of their secondary school career and you can still uh, opt out of the fingerprint, 
you can get that data deleted. Um, you can still do things like that. Um, uh, the other thing which I think is a positive is this system tends to promote incompetence. So when they try and implement these things, they're pretty shit at doing it. And when you've got something as, as massive and as complex as bringing in digital IDs and pooling together all that data and bringing together all those systems, uh, because they're shit at it, <laughs> I can see a lot of problems ahead. That doesn't mean they won't try and do it, but um, um, yeah, they're, they're not very good. I mean, one thing that, that I thought was positive, um, so when we had the school, the lockdowns and the school closures, the online learning, so the teach, teaching through a computer at home, that was pretty much an unmitigated failure, to be honest, across the um, across the system. And, and that actually upset a lot of people because a lot of people wanted to try and embed that, using that word that they use again. They wanted to embed a culture of online learning and a lot of stuff being done from home. And because it was pretty much a failure, it failed. Now, I'm sure they'll have another run at that, but, but that did set them back and that did upset a lot of people. Um, also, again, in my general conversations with colleagues around, I would say there's a, there's a lot of people are still asleep, but they're starting to get a bit restless. They're starting to toss and turn. They know things aren't right. They're not awake yet, but I think they're on the edge. I love this. Uh, on, on an energetic level, you're saying yes. some people are starting to become a bit disturbed because they can yes. feel it in the air. You yeah. can feel it. You can see it looking around in society. Um, uh, you, uh, like again, it's it's hard to talk to at the average person about this stuff because you're on such an out there level. Um, it's very difficult. But I do try and drop in when I'm talking to people. I say things aren't right, are they? And um, they're starting starting to open up a bit. And I th I. I sense a bit of movement in our direction. Can I ask you this, Rob? Not, not enough. But no, but, I do but, sense but at least some something is happening. Enough. Yeah, there's a stirring, right? I like this. Yes. I, I, yes. Think, I think minorities uh, are the key as well. I, I really do. I, I think, and I'm obviously a white guy. You're a white guy. Some of our yes. listeners won't like me saying this at all now. They'll think I'm generalizing, and maybe I am. But I do believe, because I am very close to a couple of Asian people. By Asian, I mean um, British Pakistanis. Yeah. And they take a far keener interest in what's happening with their kids in schools. We know, we, we saw this with the sex education changes. Yes. In the Asian community, there was uproar. And I wonder, is there an in there? By, by way of saying, you know, there's a jackboot and it's for everybody. Forget identity politics now. You know, this is for everybody. Because I'd imagine if you reach, if we can reach minorities, yeah. and maybe minorities yes. are maybe more aware of this. What do you think? Yeah, uh, similar. I mean, I've um, speak to, uh, in our area, we've got quite a lot of Polish, and they recognise this stuff. Um, because... Yeah, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah, for obvious reasons. They're not many generations. Only one generation back, they were living under communism. So they, they recognise a lot of this stuff, and they... And they've got that healthy mistrust of government um, kind of instilled in them. Um, whereas, whereas um, yeah, probably um, our indigenous people haven't. Um, 
Yeah. No, we've always trusted. I don't mean you and me, but we've trusted no. our governments. We've, you know, we believed they were maybe incompetent, and we laughed and we thought, well, maybe the next crowd will be better. We've never had that deep mistrust of our yeah. leaders, and for many middle income and higher income people, they've never had to worry about the government knocking at your door. But by God, they're 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 not knocking at people's doors now. They're as they're trying to knock the doors down. Rob, we I'm going to yeah. give you the last sixty seconds, but it's got to be sixty seconds because time is slowing <laughs> by. Before I give you that, I want to thank you for coming on. Rob's head of design and technology at a large secondary school in Lincolnshire. He's a teacher. He's doing his utmost to alert people to the tyranny that's coming down the line, and it's going for children. Um, it's it's it, it's heading for children. It's children first here. And uh, I want to thank him for doing that. And you will hear him on the programme again in the future. Uh, final word to, to you, Rob, and then we've got to wrap it up. And thanks again. OK. Um, well, yeah, just a final message, really, to parents is just, as I mentioned before, just watch these schools like a hawk and keep an eye on what's going on. Um, if they do get these digital learning wallets or IDs in, it will be oppressive hell and it'll just be awful for the for these kids. Um, and um, yeah, we've, it's too important, isn't it? We, we've got to stop them from doing it. Um, and yeah, that's what I would say. Talk to your kids, get as much information out of them as possible. Correct the misinformation you hear, particularly on climate change. You will have to do some correction at home. Um, but yeah, just just watch these places like a hawk. And um, don't be afraid to speak out. Don't be afraid to challenge the school and ask awkward questions because um, I don't think enough people do. Um, but yeah, we've um, <laughs> that's it really, Richie. But uh, yeah, we've I covered just, plenty. I just hope I've opened a few people's eyes to, to where things are at um, and uh, where it could potentially go. Um, as I say, nothing would please me more if I'm proved wrong in a few years. And someone comes and says, Rob, you, you were talking a load of rubbish. None of that ever happened. Didn't materialise, I'd say. Great. Thank you. Yeah, but that ain't going to happen. This has yeah. to be stopped before it goes any further. Yeah. Rob, um, thanks so much. We'll speak again. I really appreciate yes. your time. Thank you for having me on. And can I just very quickly say something about one of my favourite guests that you have on? Go ahead. Um, just John Waters. Um I just got to say, whenever he's so eloquent and the way he speaks, I can ju you can just feel the um, in its sense in his voice. He knows what's coming, doesn't he? And you can feel the anger and anguish in his voice, and it, and it does really resonate with me. So uh, I'll look forward to the next time you have have him on. <laughs> well, well, thanks for saying that. And people should check out johnwaters.substack.com yeah. because he's in demand, John. So. You needn't wait to see him on or to hear him on yes. uh, this radio show. He does uh, quite a bit of um, um, podcasting and stuff lately. So johnwaters.substack.com. That's very generous of you. Thanks, Rob. I really appreciate it, pal, and I look forward to next time. Yes. Thank you, Richie. Keep up the good work. Thank you, my friend. Great to have Rob on. Teacher, secondary school teacher, Rob Wilson, live on the Richie Allen Show, Monday's programme, talking about um, the, what would you call it? the 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 agenda for the data um of every child in every school in this country to take their data and to introduce digital learning wallets or digital learner IDs and the implications of that for those children and for the rest of their lives as well. 
Uh, lovely fella, Rob. Thanks uh, to him for coming on. And thanks also to Christine Hart, uh, the journalist and the private investigator, for coming on earlier on to give the other side of the Russell brand. I don't want to say saga because I've just said it, haven't I? Because allegations... Those types of allegations are very, very, uh, very serious. But thanks to, um, to to Christine for that. Lots of comments. Uh, if I didn't read yours, when I say this, I do, I do mean it. Uh, there are just too many. Shane has been in touch. Shane Ward. Hi, Shane. Evie's dad. Uh, hi, Shane. Lovely to hear from you. We also declined for Evie, uh, and she has a pin number. By declined, he means the thumb printing by means of paying for lunch or anything else at the school. I just can't believe it, to be honest. I mean, I'm not naive. Since 2010, I've been presenting programmes like this, talking about this. I'm not naive. It's a contradiction, I know, in terms, but I just can't believe it, even though we've been talking about it for so many years, they're doing it. Children are coming home and saying, I can't pay without using my thumbprint, you know, Organisations like Tony Blair's and Bill Gates and others are trying to, can I say, homogenise education in the West. They hear the same thing, no matter whether you go to school in Moon Coin, in Kilkenny, right? Or, or Rathgormick, or in Waterford, or if you go to school in, in Nancy, in France, you'll get the exact same information word for word on any number of issues, any number of subjects or topics. That's what they're doing. And as Rob said, parents are not aware of it. They have no idea. Life gets in the way. He said, ask your children what is going on. Make time for them. You might be knackered. I know I shouldn't lecture. I'm not a parent. Sit them down. Ask them questions. I I heard on the radio that in a certain school they are introducing this policy. Is it happening in your school, son? Or daughter, ask questions. That's it for the programme. Back tomorrow. We'll be talking about this with Pippa King. Do check out, because it's so serious, pippaking.blogspot.com. Biometrics in school. Thanks to Rob. Thanks to Christine again. Thanks to you for listening. Until tomorrow, it's bye from your BBG. (laughs) 